an anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 440 The 2023 Year in Review, Part 2 In Part 1, we covered the events that shaped the television world in 2023 and some of the shows that ended in the year 2023. In this part, we're going to take a look at what we believe are some of the best and some of the worst shows of the calendar year, 2023. And also, we're going to look back at those who passed away in 2023. Let's finally get to our favorite segment, starting with the worst of 2023. These are the absolute, absolute crap. This is the stuff we hated the most in 2023. These are the personalities we despise, the events we despise in 2023. So let's get started. Now, Chico, you're going to handle this first one because this made me so enraged at the beginning of the year. This made me so enraged. Remember, the beginning of the year, we were watching Monday Night Football. All of a sudden, it was Bill's Bengals. Damar Hamlin goes down. Later, it was revealed cardiac arrest and this is one of those moments where i have to say you know what just let the event be not everybody needs a take not everybody needs to say something about something skip bayless did not get the memo because of course you can say this guy is blue and skip bayless will argue to the death that it is somehow purple he posted the following on his ex-formerly known as Twitter. That's another subject for another time. But anyway, he posted, No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. I'm going to give you a moment to process what's going on in that fool's head. His first concern is not a person is dying. His first concern is, how is this going to affect the playoff schedule? That is his number one concern, not the person who is dying. Okay, I'm going to really play devil's advocate here. And I know what your answer is going to be, and I don't blame you for saying what your answer is going to be. Is he somehow playing some sort of shtick, sort of like Tucker Carlson, where he's not really like overly conservative, he's playing this character. Do you think he's playing a character and he's not possibly that stupid? I know what you're going to say, but I'm just putting it out there. No, I really believe he is this stupid. Nobody could be this dumb on purpose. Okay, like I said, I concur with you. I knew exactly what you're going to say, but... I'm just trying to find some logical answer as to why somebody would say something so absolutely mind-numbingly stupid. This is who Skip Bayless is. You know that. I know that. Greg knows that. And deep in his heart of hearts, I think Skip Bayless knows that. And he's through giving a damn about it. Although, like I said before, 
There are just some things you do not need to have a take about. No. Not when somebody's life is on the line. No. Enough about that. Let's talk about a really horrible person that did a bad thing this year. Because Justin Rowland got fired from Rick and Morty. And Solar Opposites. Because they got Dan Stevens, who I remember as the Beast in Beauty and the Beast from 2017. He is the voice of Corvo now. And he is going to be the voice of Corvo in the flashbacks as well. But let's be honest here. Justin Rowland, we all know he did some really bad things. And, well, it's not shocking knowing Justin Rowland. By the way, for the record, the TV charges were later dropped. But the damage was already done. By the way, uh, they got Ian Cardoni and Harry Belden to voice Rick and Morty, respectively. Ian Cardoni is known as a history buff, a Sox fan, a foodie, and an avid fantasy and sci-fi fan. So, uh, good for him, I guess? Whereas Harry Belden is known for another Adult Swim production, Joe Para talks with you. What the hell is that? It's one of those avant-garde sort of weekly uh, art house film dealies where Joe Para plays a guy who talks with the audience. Okay. Remember, it's Adult Swim, and they get very avant-garde. Ah, it's not avant-garde. I'd say surreal. A lot of their live-action shows are just. Sorry, downright stupid. And yeah, I've never seen that. I've never seen uh, much of the uh, stuff like the the Tim and and uh, and what's his name? Tim and uh, Eric. Whoever, yeah. Some of that comedy is, is or quote unquote comedy, I should say, is just ridiculously stupid in my opinion. So you can call it avant-garde. I call it like surrealist BS. But hey, since we're talking about Adult Swim, you want to talk about another person? who uh, is a total butthole who uh, basically ruined their career in 2023. Yeah. Let's talk about one Jay Johnston. Jay Johnston, he's had a lengthy career, primarily doing uh, comedy. And take a look at his CV on Wikipedia. Uh, since we just talked about Adult Swim, he did shows including Moral Oral, Mary Shelley's Frankenhole, a lot of Comedy Central shows, uh, a lot of just comedies in general. Sever Silverman program, Reno 911, Parks and Rec, Community. But one show that he's been on for well over a decade is Bob's Burgers. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Well, I'm just, again, for the sake of completeness as to the total buttholes of 2023, I think we need to include him in this. Yes, I didn't expect to talk about him, but yes. He was one of those guys that used to appear on Adult Swim because, unfortunately for Mr. Johnston, he took part in January 6, 2021 events at the Capitol. And because of that, he gone. And we've talked about this. We talked about how his character, Jimmy Pesto, is now voiced by Eric Bowser, not John Bauman, 
Eric Bowser, not Bowser, Bowser. Bowser, Bowser. We uh, made uh, some references or jokes to to him uh, in the past. But yeah, he had a really good gig playing a pretty pivotal character on Bob's Burgers, which is what, in his 13th or 14th season now? And he decided to go to the Capitol and... Yeah, that doesn't fly over so well. So he's out of a job and he's probably blacklisted for life. There's one of my big idiots for 2023, if you will. Let's talk about something in the college sports world that affected not just the television landscape, but everything in college sports. When Apple TV Plus made a terrible bid for the Pac-12 rights, leading to the current realignment in college sports. Which is still going on, by the way. As we record this, Florida State is suing the ACC to get out of its contract and out of the league altogether. And if they oh. succeed, Clemson and UNC are next. Yeah, Florida State's just mad that they didn't get uh, into the uh, BCS playoffs. Hey, you have an undefeated team and you did not get into the BCS, you'd be pissed off too. Excuse me, what what year is this? They haven't had a BCS in a decade. Sorry, the college football playoff. Sorry. Okay, whatever they're calling the football playoff this week. But still, the point is, yeah, they're just being really pouty about it. And, and you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate again. What if you have five teams that go undefeated? You can only take four. I mean, I know they're talking about expanding the playoffs and whatnot, but let's just say you have more undefeated teams than positions. Somebody's going to get screwed. I'll just be mm-hmm. honest. I'd rather take Florida State than a one-loss Alabama. I don't know, and I don't care. But let's be honest. It was hilarious seeing all the Pac-12 teams leave. As we've said in the past, next year... It's going to be Washington State and Oregon State in the Pac-2 Championship. And you can go to Pac2Champs.com and get your Washington State Pac-2 Champs t-shirt. No joke on that. Okay, Chico, Velma, that's the joke. Mindy Kaling has done some incredible things. The Office, Never Have I Ever was really good. The Mindy Project was awesome. And then there's Velma. Which started off as a good idea, but the execution was just not there. It's like you have all these talented people, and they're doing this, and it doesn't look that good. At the beginning, you get all of these reviews that are mixed to negative, and everybody was thinking, oh, you're just bagging on the show because of its diverse cast, and It's not white bread like you wanted it to. And then they watched the show, and all of a sudden, it's, okay, you know what? Maybe you have a point. The consensus on Rotten Tomatoes. Jinkies, this radical reworking of the beloved mystery team has plenty of attitude and style, but it doesn't have the first clue for how to turn its clever subversion into engaging fun. Just to show you the spectrum of reviews that this show got. Saloni Gajar of the AP Club says, This isn't the Velma we're used to, but it's the Velma we deserve to enjoy today. Darren Frannick of Entertainment Weekly says, 
It's a self-aware slog and so extra, it's minus. If you really want to make a self-aware parody of the Scooby-Doo franchise, go back and watch 1988's A Pup Named Scooby-Doo. Just saying. Let's go and talk about one of our favorite things to bitch about. Super Bowl advertisements, because every ad this year for the Super Bowl was awful. And spoiler, in February, we're going to be talking about one of those horrible advertisements. But I have to say, the ad with the QR NFT thing, you remember what I'm talking you know what I'm talking about, Chico? I do. The one that looked like a screensaver almost? No, it was like a freaking treasure chest and it's like scan oh, this QR that code. one. I was thinking of one from a couple of years ago, but yeah, it's a treasure chest that opens up and there's a QR code and it's there for like seven years. Or it seemed like it was seven years. And that's all the commercial is. Because here we are in 2023, all of the uh it's like the the, the dot com boom old and busted the crypto boom new hotness and let's be honest that thing's going bust too let's talk about the biggest story that everybody bitched about because you know until elmo rebranded twitter as that stupid name this was the rebranding everyone was like what the f warner you see elmo rebranding twitter Yes, that's what the nickname everyone calls him, as mocking him, Elmo. I've never heard that. Warner Brothers Discovery rebranded HBO Max as just Max. Now, this is an interesting case, because if you remember, they dropped the HBO because Warner Brothers Discovery did research and found out that the HBO brand was basically associated with with shows like Game of Thrones and Rome and Eastbound and Down and Westworld and basically anything involving strong language, strong nudity, and uh, strong violence. They wanted to get away from that because, remember, they're also airing Sesame Street and now the Discovery Back catalog. They wanted to get away from all of that. They want it to be a streamer that's accessible to everyone. Then call it Warner Max. Don't call it Max. I will say that one of my favorite shows to stream on Max, and I forgot to put it on the favorite shows, but My Adventures with Superman, that was pretty good. Another Adult Swim show. Now our next story. Fox News had to pay up to Dominion. Three quarters of a billion dollars. You know, they always said, hey, Fox News isn't a news operation. It's an entertainment operation. We don't have to, you know, do things like give factual information. We don't need to do that. That can only work for so long, as is proven with the Dominion case, where they were about to go to trial. And then all of a sudden, okay, you know what? Trial's off. Fox News agrees to a settlement. Of course, this settlement cost a few choice characters their job. But now that you say that, what did I say earlier about Tucker Carlson? I said he is basically playing a character. He does not have those beliefs, 
And you just said essentially that Fox News is entertainment, for lack of a better word, not a true hard-hitting news department. So it's not really surprising. And I'll say it right now. If you're entertained about the sort of show that airs on Fox News, you have a condition and you need a good talking to. Same with CNN, apparently, because they're chasing that dollar, too. And, oh, Greg, bring this up, why don't you? Chris Light, the head of CNN, who came in to replace Jeff Zucker, you know, after that stellar human being did a terrible thing last year, he came into CNN and just did not do a good job with the network, which goes to show don't hire anybody from Stephen Colbert to run your network. I watch CNN, like, occasionally, and I'm like, this is not good at all. Like, I don't know who they're trying to chase in 2023. It's like, well, we want to try to be more conservative to get Fox viewers. But it's like, Fox viewers are never going to watch you because you're CNN. So why are you continuing to chase this audience that's never going to watch you? Speaking of things that make no sense, remember when ESPN was the worldwide leader and had a stellar, solid core of reporters, investigators, and talking heads? 20 of them got fired this past year. Well, how many were money-related and how many were just basically talent-related? Because a lot of it was money because ESPN and, well, essentially... Disney and ABC and whatnot was hemorrhaging money. So it's not like they're necessarily bad talents, but at the same time, they keep dead weight like Stephen A. Smith around. And Pat sports bro, Pat McAfee brings nothing to ESPN. He brings absolutely nothing. If he's fine as a YouTube brand, that's fine, but he brings absolutely nothing. He kills college game day completely wasn't he one of those big things up until let's say the last six to nine months because yeah. remember everybody was like gaga about uh what uh pat mcafee had to say and now everybody sort of like turned down a dime and also i don't think it helps that he's paying aaron Rodgers to spread his uh you know Oh, that will do it. And interestingly enough, here we are at week 16, and Aaron Rodgers is off the IR. He's been activated, but the Jets have said, you know what? He is not going to play another game this season. And it's okay because, you know, they've been eliminated. But he is going to take a roster spot from a player. And who does he tell all this stuff to? His best friend in the whole wide world, Pat McAfee. And to bring it back to something I talked about at the beginning of this segment, Skip Bayless basically said that this was a whole PR grift from day one, to which I said, you know what, file that under broken clock. One of the ongoing things from last year was HBO Max removing content. And well, it turned out in 2023, it wasn't just HBO Max, because now Paramount Plus and Disney Plus are getting in on that. Let's remove crap from our streaming service bandwagon. Some of the stuff that was removed from Disney Plus shows that I really enjoyed Willow, Big Shot, 
And then on Paramount Plus, you got rid of Inside Amy Schumer. Again, you're never going to hear me say a bad thing about Amy Schumer. And also, iCarly. That still had story to tell. I'm still bitter about that. And they ended it on a cliffhanger, too, which is... I think we might have talked about in the earlier segment. All right, so let's now get into, well, the XFL, because they relaunched in 2023 for the third incarnation. And, dear God, some of the problems they had this season were just terrible. Like, the case of the Vegas Vipers, who played at Cashman Field. Now, Mike, can you go on about Cashman Field, about how terrible it is for football? I'm glad you put those last two words in there because for a baseball park, it is absolutely gorgeous. The views are amazing. It's very compact in terms of a triple a team. It's great for baseball, but I think we know from other examples, I'm taking a look at Oakland, for example, baseball parks do not work when they try to double as football parks. Just look at what uh, happened at Wrigley Field. Whenever they did that Big Ten game, I think usually like Northwestern sometimes does home games there. Wrigley Field is not meant to be a football park. Cashman Field, we could say the same thing. Okay, I'm going to put in the screen share what Cashman Field looked like for the XFL. Okay, here it is. Yep, that was my seat from what I saw uh, Vegas 51's game a few years ago. But again, if you look at it, it doesn't work. Well, also, Cashman Field has absolutely no seats in the outfield. And that happens to be where one of the end zones is. It just is not a good look. It doesn't even look like it's to scale. I mean, it's like the yards, they're supposed to be 10 yards apart, right? It looks like six. No, it legit looks like your 120-yard field. But you need to remember that, one, yeah, how far is it from, let's say, not home plate, but from behind home plate, where you know spectators may be, to the outfield wall? That may be, let's say, 430, 440 feet. It's just crammed in there. Look how much room there is on either side behind the end zones. There's no room. Well, that's what I'm getting at. If you look uh, where uh, to the left-hand side of uh, what Greg's showing us, there might be, what would you say, four yards, five yards? So you're talking maybe 12 to 15 feet. And if you look in the back by where the uh, goalpost is in the outfield, there's like no room there. I don't even see a net there. What happens if the ball goes through the goalpost? Does somebody actually need to be outside over the outfield fence to uh, to gather the ball? This doesn't work. Again, beautiful ballpark. It just does not work for football. But also I want to mention the St. Louis Battlehawks, they got screwed because they were 7-3. and three. And they missed out on the playoffs while Arlington, who was the league champions, won with a four and six record because they took the top two teams from each division. Now you know why this league's gonna be merging with the USFL soon. 
so our next thing is the Baltimore Orioles suspended broadcaster Kevin Brown. This is from Sports Illustrated. Orioles play-by-play announcer Kevin Brown will return to the booth on Friday night when Baltimore takes on Seattle. According to multiple reports, Brown was inexplicably suspended by the club from his role at Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, Masson, for his recitation of facts surrounding the club's recent struggles playing on the road at Tampa Bay. He was indefinitely removed from the booth after a July 23rd telecast against the Rays after saying in the pregame that the Orioles had already gone 3-2 and two at Tropicana Field this year after winning only three of the 18 games in the previous three years combined. John Angelos, the owner of the Orioles, who presides over Masson, reportedly made the decision to suspend Brown but refused comment when pressed by the media about the suspension. Okay, that sounds like typical Angelos right there because he's been doing that type of stuff for, gosh, probably close to three decades now. Well, remember, he fired John Miller. Well, that's what I mean. He's been doing this for like three decades where he's been sort of a D-bag owner. And I totally understand why he would do this. Not that that makes it a good look. Because, yeah, if you're being employed by the baseball team, you don't really want to be overly hypercritical of what the baseball team does. And that's really one of the things that just makes me just sick when I listen to uh, a lot of the broadcasts. Now, thankfully, here in Cleveland for the Guardians games, Tom Hamilton is not uh, overly biased. He's not one of those uh, people that uh, kisses up to the ownership and to the team. He'll say it as it is, even if they're struggling. At the same time, I think about the Browns games, and I'm really not trying to dig into the Browns play-by-play voice on the radio who has had a cancer battle the last, uh, I'd say, four or five months. But... He is like the absolute biggest homer, and I can't stand him. And, and the thing is, he's like beloved around here, but I can't stand the guy, and I haven't stood the guy in probably 15, 20 years because he's just one of those pro-Cleveland guys. Browns can do no wrong. Hey, the Browns, this player is going to be rookie of the year. And it's like, why the heck would this person be rookie of the year when they were drafted like in the fifth round and you had so many much better talents who were at least starting. Specifically, I'm talking about something I remember back in 2006 where he said Jerome Harrison would be rookie of the year. He's like a fifth-round running back. And this is the year you had people like Reggie Bush. Uh, who else was drafted in 2006? Was that Vince Young? Yeah, that was 2006. And uh, Matt Leinart was that year. So it's like you had all of these good players – and you're touting that this fifth-round running back is going to be Rookie of the Year. Don't be such a butt-kisser. Be objective. I understand remembering who pays your paycheck, but let's be friggin' real. And Leon Washington. Let's not forget Leon Washington was in that 2006 class. He would have been a better pick than Jerome Harrison. Never thought we'd get a reference to Leon Washington on this podcast. (laughs) And I have like a dozen Leon Washington signed cards. Because of course you do. You know how terrible we talk about how TV Guide's top 50 worst shows of all time is? I think Rolling Stone hired the writer from that list to do this list. 
the Rolling Stone top 50 worst TV decisions list. And I remember looking at this list, like, why is, like, half of these choices considered the worst decisions ever? Just to give you an idea of what Rolling Stone considers a mistake. Jeopardy allows Mike Richards to anoint himself host. That was a genuine mistake. But is it one of the biggest TV mistakes ever? No. America's Next Top Model asks contestants to swap ethnicities. That was a genuine mistake. Cavemen. That's a future entry. I don't get why number 47 made the list. Disney Plus refuses to let Lizzie McGuire grow up. And what did Adam Sandler and Chris Farley do that they had to single out those two as SNL fires Adam Sandler and Chris Farley? What did Rolling Stone have as their top 10? I have it right here. Top 10. Number 10. David Caruso leaves NYPD Blue after one season. Number 9. The networks call Florida for George W. Bush in 2000. Why would you put that in a list of the top 50 biggest mistakes ever? Number 8. HBO, TNT, Showtime, and FX turned down Breaking Bad. Okay, so that may be a mistake for those particular networks, but Breaking Bad made AMC what it is today. Yeah, but how is that considered the top 10 mistake ever? I don't know. Number seven, Fox gives Chevy Chase a talk show. Number six, NBC royally up the Leno Conan situation. Okay, how that is not number one, I do not understand. Number five, Roseanne torches career with racist tweet. How is that top five? Well, also, that's not a network decision. That was literally her tanking her career because she had a big mouth. I'm looking at all of this and I'm thinking to myself, currency bias. That's when we look at TV Guide top 50 worst shows list and what was at the top, currency bias. Number four, Norm MacDonald is fired from SNL over hilarious O.J. Simpson jokes. Yeah, but I can see why he got fired, though. Number three, Fox passes on The Sopranos. Again, that's an industry thing. We wouldn't know this if you didn't tell us this. Number two, NBC turns Mr. Black into a television titan. And the number one mistake, according to Rolling Stone, to be fair, this is a mistake. It is not the greatest mistake, but it's a mistake. NBC cancels Freaks and Geeks. Oh, F off. That's a show that still had a story to tell. But is that the number one worst mistake in the history of television, especially considering what number two was? You're going to rank that over number two? If this was like a video podcast, you'd have the gif of John Travolta in Pulp Fiction doing the waving his arms in the air like, what? You know how the Nickelodeon NFL game every year is like so awesome? Well, what if somebody at ESPN said, let's do the same thing, but make it absolutely awful? So you're saying it's the Nickelodeon show with blackjack and hookers? Well, that's not appropriate for kids. No, it's the Nickelodeon NFL game with army men and slinky dog. Okay, that's a lot better than blackjack and hookers. We don't want to take kids down that road just yet. Okay. I'm talking about the Toy Story game. 
that aired on ESPN Plus. And I had the good fortune, despite not having ESPN Plus, to watch it as it occurred on NFL Plus. And let me just say, the broadcast was so entertainingly bad. They had the players in Andy's room, which is like, Chico, can you describe what it looked like? It looked like a child's bedroom with, you know, the clouds on the walls and the sun coming through the window. And there were times when it was just way too bright. There was like this uh, football rug on the floor and a whole lot of action figures as players. The technology they used to follow the ball never made any sense. There was a point where Trevor Lawrence threw a touchdown. And I thought watching it, it was an incomplete pass. But nope, it's a touchdown. Clearly, the technology to track the game was not any good at all. But I got good news, Mike. Do you know who's commenting the ESPN Plus Toy Story game? I do not. Booger. I was actually expecting you to go on some sort of rant about how the Jacksonville Jaguars are overrated. Oh, let me just say, the last couple weeks they've shown they're overrated. Which, good, because Tony Khan deserves so many horrible things. Which is why he got choked out by CM Punk and is now seeing him be back in WWE. But, oh god, the Toy Story game. Let's never speak of that again. You know what was a bad idea? Crapopolis. Oh my gosh! I have stuff to say, but I'll let you start. This show got renewed for not just the second season before it aired an episode. It got renewed for a third season before it ever aired an episode. All because of the name of Dan Herman. And isn't it like revealed like this is also an NFT scam too? What? I think like some of the characters are NFTs. I think it's been reported. Yeah, this is an NFT scam, this show. Gosh, I cannot believe that. But also, yet another reason to absolutely love, and I say that sarcastically, love NFTs. No, do not love them. They should be laughed at. This is from Coindesk.com. The show's content will be influenced by fans who own a crapopolis crap kitchen. A non-fungible token that allows holders to vote on show components, see exclusive token-gated content, participate in gamified experiences like scavenger hunts, access a Discord channel, and attend in-person events with the cast. Yeah, how's that working out for you with the entire NFT market? Boy, that was a thing, like, earlier this year that's absolutely nothing nowadays. And to make it worse, as if NFT backing wasn't bad enough, the show absolutely frigging sucks. I gave it a chance. It's like I mentioned with Lost. I gave Lost a chance on the first episode, but after 15 minutes, I tapped out because it's like, nope, this is more science fiction than quasi-reality in terms of people actually being lost. No, I did the same. I watched Crepopolis, gave it about 10 minutes, and I didn't laugh a single time. I turned it off and haven't looked back. It is horrible. And Fox actually renewed this for a third season before an episode aired. What did they see in it besides maybe legitimately the NFT possibilities? 
Well, let's now finally get to our final thing in this segment. Carissa Thompson makes up a bunch of sh- I have her original quote. This is her on the Pardon My Take podcast. I've said this before, so I haven't been fired for saying it, but I'll say it again. I would make up the report sometime because A, the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late and I didn't want to script the report. So I was like, I'm just going to make this up. No coach is going to get mad if I say, hey, we need to stop hurting ourselves. We need to get better on third down. They're not not going to correct me on that. So I'm like, fine, I'll just make up the report. And then 24 hours later, that clip mysteriously disappeared. And in its place, we have her being dragged on social media, and rightly so, I might add. And the, and I'm using a Gordon Pepper term here, the media apology. I have a responsibility to myself and my employers to clarify what is being reported. When on a podcast this week, I said I would make up reports early in my career when I worked as a sideline reporter before I transitioned to my current post role. Working in media, I understand how important words are, and I chose the wrong words to describe the situation. I'm sorry. I've never lied about anything or been unethical during my time as a sports broadcaster. In the absence of a coach providing any information that could further my report, I would use information. (laughs) Words, 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 blah, blah, blah. Thank you for summarizing that way, Chico. I know you're laughing. People may have heard that because seriously, after about the first like paragraph, it's like, this is like word salad. You're just saying some sort of generic apology, making excuses, blah, 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 blah. And I'm glad that's how you summarized it. Thank you. It was getting way too long. And too stupid. She's making excuses for herself. Can I just say, I'm going to be totally honest here. I don't care about this one bit. (laughs) Well, also, Aaron Andrews has admitted to making stuff up. I don't see anybody saying jack about her. But look at it this way. Carissa Thompson may have been caught doing a bad thing, but at least she never threatens the president on the Internet. Hi, John Schneider. How you doing? Let's uh, real quick go over our favorite shows of 2023. So we got, what, The Last of Us on HBO. I watched it, and it stayed very true to the source material. It was very addictive. It was probably one of the best shows on HBO this year. And I've seen every episode of Euphoria because, duh, Sydney Sweeney's in it. Are you going to see that Sydney Sweeney rom-com? I will watch anything with Sydney Sweeney in it. Even Madam Web. Especially Madam Web. The Traitors. What's The Traitors? The Traitors is a reality show where you have a whole lot of people living in a Scottish castle. And three of the contestants are deemed traitors. It's like the mole, but with three people instead of one. And if they can stay hidden, they will split the money. And the rest of the players, the faithful, will get nothing. It's already been renewed for season two. That's going to drop in January on Peacock. I can't wait for it. And uh, I actually have a list of all the people who are going to be in season two. And most of them are real housewives and 
one professional boxer and a former member of the UK House of Commons. Oh, that's fantastic. So most of it's going to be the real housewives. And a couple of people from MTV's The Challenge. Oh, that's great. So you Now, have- hold on. Are they getting Johnny Bananas? They are getting Johnny Bananas. Okay, well, I'm surprised first thing out of your mouth is, how do you know about Johnny Bananas? What is the deal with him? Just in 25 words or less. He crazy. You got 23 words to go. <laughs> about, oh gosh, must be about four or five years ago at this point. Greg knows and Chico knows and anybody who listens to the podcast with any regularity knows I love my Alan and Ginter. I'm not joking. I pulled out an autograph card of Johnny Bananas like five, four years ago from Alan and Ginter. And I'm wondering who the H-E double hockey sticks this guy is. It says the challenge, but it's like, I've never seen the challenge. I don't care about the challenge. Yay. Now I know who Johnny Banana is. Quoting the immortal Chico Alexander, he crazy. Our next favorite show is Next Level Chef. But it's not just Next Level Chef. We have in parentheses in the rundown. Just season two. Because season one, they were just trying to find out what kind of show they wanted to be. Season two is when they really amped up the crazy. I enjoyed it. That was a really good pick for a post-Super Bowl show on Fox there. Even if nobody watched it. But I gotta <laughs> say, I gotta <laughs> Did you get it out of your system, Greg? Please! It's like if Gordon Ramsay said, I'm gonna have a cooking show set in the Finder's Keeper's house. And also, it should be known that Greg and me both legitimately didn't know this was the second season. We didn't know there was a first season. And you know, we could watch season one on Tubi, because as we all know on this podcast, Tubi will air any old crap, but also it's owned by the Fox Corporation. So that explains it. Okay. One show I really enjoyed on Apple TV plus this year was shrinking with uh, Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. Have you watched that Chico? I've seen a couple episodes. Um, I have to sit down and watch all of them at once if I'm going to really enjoy it. But I got to say, Harrison Ford is absolutely hilarious on this show. It's like, I did not think the funniest person on a show in 2023 would be Harrison Ford. But goddamn, he is so funny in this. He should win an Emmy. And it's amazing, like, between that and that Yellowstone spinoff that he's doing on Paramount Plus, like he's doing like the best work of his career at like 80. And he did an Indiana Jones movie this year, so good on him. Bupkiss on Peacock, that's the, uh, it's like a series sort of based on the life of Pete Davidson. So it's like, if you know how crazy Pete Davidson is, this show kind of gives you like an idea of how crazy the fictionalized version of his life is. I always suggest you watch it. And Joe Pesci's in it. So it's the holiday season, of course. And you're probably watching Joe Pesci for Home Alone. But I got to say, Chica, one of my favorite shows in 2023 was on, of all things, Freebie. And, of course, we're talking about a show in the vein of the Joe Schmo show in Jury Duty. I really need to see that. I've heard good things about that. 
oh, you need to watch it. It is so hilarious. It's basically, it's like, what if we did the Joe Schmo show, but with a trial? But it is so incredibly amazing, the situations that happen on this show. But the one highlight of this show, I have to say, is James Marsden playing a fictionalized version of himself. And the situations that happen on this show, are, I don't want to ruin any of it. Because you have to watch it for yourself. But it is so good. And dear God, James Morrison, I know, is nominated for Best Supporting Actor as himself for Jury Duty. And if he does not win the Emmy for this, I'm going to be so sad because he is so amazing on this. Chico, American-born Chinese. Okay, this is based on an online graphic novel. It features a 10th grader thrust into battle with Chinese gods played by Daniel Wu and Michelle Yeoh. And one of the features on this show is a show within a show called Beyond Repair, where you have Jamie Yao playing Freddie Wong. And Jamie Yao is played by Academy Award winning actor. Kehui Kwan. That's right. And his character within the show, within the show, is, according to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, a fictionalized version of himself based on his character of Short Round from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, you got me right there. But everything else is basically Dragon Ball if the hero was, you know, in high school. Next is Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Now, this is a this is a sequel to Scott Pilgrim. I know this is on Netflix. Yeah, it's a side story based on the uh, comic book. Um, this is not the sequel to the movie because, you know, the movie is all self-contained. But this takes the characters from the comic book and puts them in a completely different adventure. First of all, Scott Pilgrim disappears after the first episode. And it's up to Ramona Flowers and company to figure out where he is and why he disappeared. And one of the best things about this show, if you're a big fan of the movie, the entire cast reprises their roles. So everybody from the movie is back. Karen Culkin, Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Raleigh in the House, Hold on, is Chris Evans in this? Chris Evans is in it. Oh, that's terrific. America's ass is in the Scott Pilgrim show. Oh, and I also got this off the shelf. I have the uh, the Scott Pilgrim game for the PS4. I got the physical version of that from Limited Run Games when they were offered that for sale. Pretty good. Excellent multiplayer game. So I love that game. I'm always Steven Stills. Of course you are. Colin from Accounts. What is Colin from Accounts? Okay, this is an import from Australia. It premiered on Paramount Plus this year. It features Patrick Brammel and Harriet Dyer, husband and wife team from No Activity, as a couple who care for a dog. It begins with somebody showing off their boobs, and it ends with an injured dog being cared for. By said boob shower. And I just started watching this. And if you like accident prone 
based comedy. Harriet Dyer does really good physical comedy on this. Plus, the dog is cute. Now get it out of your system. Talk about One Piece. Oh my god, One Piece. This was like the same network that thought Cowboy Bebop would be a big hit. It was not. So then they put Wednesday on last year. That turned into a big hit. One Piece is this year's Wednesday. It's the show where it was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, absolutely dead on with the storytelling and true to its source material and Everybody enjoyed it. So I guess One Piece is the show you didn't even know you enjoyed. And also the casting helped because Inyaki Godoy as um, Monkey D. Luffy. Perfect casting right there. All right. Castlevania Nocturne. That's sort of a sequel to the original Castlevania series on Netflix. It's based on later games featuring Richter Belmont. This is basically Netflix saying, we've already finished telling the story of Castlevania, but we want more Castlevania. So they drew from another Belmont, Richter Belmont, and came up with Castlevania Nocturne, which takes place during the American Revolution and involves like uh, undead in New Orleans. So an interesting watch there. That 90s show. Do you like that 70s show? Yeah, it's all right. This is the sequel, and it's set in the 90s. So it's that 70s show, but the 90s. And they got most of the cast back in this, right? Except for one person. Oh, yeah, yeah. For we don't talk about reasons. that guy. Oh, we don't talk about that guy for obvious reasons. Oh, yeah, we didn't include him in the uh, bad folks of 2023. You can make a case that two of the people in the cast of that 90s show should have been included, but we're not going to go that low. Uh, extraordinary. All right, this is a show on Hulu that asks the question, what if everybody in the world had superpowers except you? And it comes from the UK, and basically telling the story is a young teenager with no superpowers, but all of her best friends have superpowers, and the entire season is basically her trying to develop superpowers and taking care of a cat who happens to be a shapeshifter named Jezlord. It's new to us because it's on Prime. Takashi's Castle. It's new to everybody, actually. Well, that is true, because what? Our only exposure is NXC. Yeah, and this is a brand new series that launched globally. Is Gila Douche on this? They have a new Gila Douche. Oh, good. They have. They new... joins the old Gila Douche. What? They have a Gila Douche. They have the old Gila Douche. They have the general. They have the new general. So we got an old general and a new general. Yes. And Beat Takeshi only appears in physical corporeal form at the end that's amazing oh mike we love this when it was featured on conan's podcast but the hans and franz movie on conan's podcast this is a big what if situation what if studio actually sort of 
gave this a shot. What if they actually got the casting that this movie required? This could have legit been one of the most epic movies based on an SNL skit. Now, I know that's not a real high bar to go over, especially when you're talking about like Night at the Roxbury and and uh, I think there is an It's Pat movie. Yeah, that bar is not very uh, uh, high. But, oh my gosh, if you haven't heard what Greg is talking about, go to Conan's podcast. This was, I believe, August, July. They did uh, four parts, a four-part reading of the script to this movie. And it is downright hilarious, downright insane. Based on the reading they did, I legit would put this movie up there with Wayne's World. Call me crazy, but it was that funny and that absurd. It could have been one of the best SNL movies ever, but instead it got shelved. But I will say the greatness was Arnold in Pride of the Yankees. There's so much stuff that is just, again, absurdly hilarious, but would have made an absolutely epic movie if they went through with it. Well, in the last, we'll never know how great it would have been if it was actually a movie. But you know it was great? The Maximum Effort channel on Freebie. Why are you saying that in past tense? It's still with us, and it's still great. Yes, that is true. Because where else can we go for both 15 and out? And the kids in the hall. And sports night. And mad TV. And discontinued. We're going to just ignore discontinued with Bruce Campbell? But summing up what Greg mentioned, and also what Chico and I added, it's a great channel. The problem is, good luck finding it. The place that I watch it is Plex. It's not on Pluto TV. Uh, I don't know if it's on Freebie, but I don't use Freebie because I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber. It's on Freebie. Okay, so there's some accessibility there. But again, it's not on the big ones. It's not on Pluto TV. And uh, I don't even know what would be second place. Pluto TV is like number one in my opinion, but it's on Plex. So definitely watch it. It's really a good channel, a clever channel. They've got some really good stuff on there. I love watching Mad TV just about every night. That's usually how I fall asleep, to be honest. Not that Mad TV puts me to sleep, but it's just so hilarious the first whatever they're showing, first four or five seasons. You want the soothing tones of Will Sasso to send you to sleep. Well, I finally did see the episode that we talked about uh, a while ago uh, for the whole backstory regarding uh, when Will Sasso was on... uh, 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 was it WCW? Yeah, it was on WCW Nitro wrestling Bret Hart. And Deborah Wilson played heel on him? That was so great. It was epic! Deborah Wilson turning heel and giving Will the worst <laughs> chair shots ever. Seriously, you can fight me on this, but the first four or five seasons of Mad TV, better than SNL at that point. And I know SNL at that point had Will Ferrell for a number of years and Sherry O'Terry and I was not a big fan of SNL back then. I was a mad TV person. Same. Well, I'm going to be the one lone vote. I'm like the 
two out of three dentists. I'm the third dentist. You're the one who doesn't give a crap if kids' teeth rot. That's true. Oh, Loki season two, Chico. Just an amazing ending to the series. But also, Loki on the throne at the end of the series. That just and, made the series. Oh, yeah. He saves the multiverse. And he's the god of stories at the end. And I'm like, this is like the greatest thing ever. Plus, it sets the tone for the rest of phase five. We're on phase five now. Yeah. Although, given recent news, who knows where they're going to go. They need a new Kang. Yeah. Kevin, it's not that hard. Just recast. I don't want you to rush into a Doctor Doom storyline for Avengers Secret Wars. Just do what you did with Don Cheadle and Terrence Howard. Do the same thing. We're good. And lastly, The Curse. Nathan Fiedler, Emma Stone. Nathan Fiedler doing Nathan Fiedler things. It's great. I love it. Emma Stone doing Emma Stone things. Yes. Now we get to the part of the show that, well, maybe we don't enjoy doing because, unfortunately, this involves loss. This is the people that we've lost in 2023. And first and foremost, we're going to start January 5th. We lost Earl Bone at age 81. Maybe not a big name, but he was one of those character actors that you saw on just about anything, it seems, back in the 70s, 80s, even to recent times. January 7th, we lost a child actor, Adam Rich, from 8 is Enough, Nicholas Bradford. Not much of a television actress, but uh, on January 16th, we lost Gina Lola Brigida. Uh, she did appear uh, on Falcon Crest, but a very big name regardless. January 25th, Cindy Williams. Shirley. We lost uh, Shirley from Laverne and Shirley. That's so sad. And then uh, one day later, we lost Billy Packer, renowned basketball analyst, He's legit a legend, especially March Madness time. Big loss there in the sports world. That's going to take us to February, where on the 15th of February, this one hurts. Raquel Welch at age 82. She was a queen. She was a sex symbol. She was royalty. And again, a day later, another big name in the sports world passed away. Tim McCarver, broadcaster. Passed away at 81. Possibly best known, at least in my opinion, for when uh, Deion Sanders confronted him. And he said, you're a big man, Deion. Very big thing about 30, 32 years ago uh, when uh, I think uh, Deion was playing for the, uh, the Braves at that point. February 19th, another big one. I did not realize this guy is 78. He seemed much younger than that. Richard Belzer. Munch. Well, he and seemed younger because he had so much energy. Well, no, he just looked younger. But also, beyond his Munch character, where we all know him, an amazing comedian. That's where he started, uh, I do believe. And then he got into drama somehow, and it worked. Going to March, March 9th, there may be mixed feelings on this person, 
but still very relevant when it comes to TV shows. Robert Blake. Yes, we know him as Beretta, but also let's remember, I believe supposedly, I don't think he was ever formally legally charged, but he supposedly shot his wife, killed his wife. Supposedly, keyword. He was acquitted, but he was found liable in a civil court for her wrongful death. March 30th? Maybe not a huge name, but in his field, a big name. Mark Russell. You may remember him as somebody who had the occasional special on PBS where he played the piano, did political satire. He was a real people correspondent. But also, since we talk about it every week, he was on at least one week of the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour back in 1984. Going to April... The 22nd of April, a person who's gotten popular in the last 20 years, Glenn Goodman, who was one of the judges on Dancing with the Stars and, by extension, the original version in the UK, Strictly Come Dancing. And, again, not necessarily TV-related. He's made plenty of appearances, but April 25th, Harry Belafonte. Just an amazing musician. You guys have heard the Banana Boat song on Beetlejuice. That's Harry Belafonte. Absolute legend. Did shows like the Ed Sullivan Show. I remember him on the Muppet Show. Oh, oh my gosh. Just absolutely amazing. One of the best segments of the um, Muppet Show run was the Earth Song by Harry Belafonte. And then two days later, April 27th, we lost Jerry Springer. Yes, he was a mayor. Yes, he was a newsman. But of course, where we know him best, for better or for worse, the Jerry Springer show. A show that, yeah, you know, originally was just a typical talk show, but then somebody, a producer, had the idea, hey, let's stink up the joint. And boy, did they stink up the joint for... 25 years it seems at least at least until maury decided you know what we're gonna make it all dna test baby but maury i don't think ever went the jerry springer route in terms of having just like strippers and fights between family members maury just stuck to like family drama dna tests and teens gone wild like that one time eric cartman was on do what I want. Whatever. Well, you know what they say about the Jerry Springer show? Charting the downfall of mankind in real time. I do what I want. Whatever. So again, for better or for worse, you know, I'm Jerry Springer, talented person, decent enough host. Uh, unfortunately, powers that be made him go a totally different direction with his show. That's going to take us to May. I'm going to start May 6th. Not a TV personality, but somebody whose comments and actions were very pivotal on the TV landscape. I'm talking about Newton Minow, who is the FCC chairman who called TV as a vast wasteland. Very famous line by Newton Minow. May 9th, we lost, I want to say one of the biggest actresses in soap history. And I, I don't think that's 
overstating the case. I think when you talk about soaps, first and foremost, you've got Susan Lucci. But really, I think that second place pedestal goes to Jackie Zeman, who passed away only 70. It seems like she had been working like longer than that. I mean, I remember Jackie Zeman back in the uh, 80s. So, I mean, yeah, she would have been probably in her 30s at that point. She just was like a fixture on daytime TV. May 11th, we lost Barry Newman at the age of 92, another big name, another known name. A name we've actually mentioned uh, recently in the last week or two, May 15th, Sharon Farrell. She passed away. We mentioned her on Young and the Restless. We just mentioned her, I forget what show it was uh, in the last couple of weeks. I know we've done so many shows the last couple of weeks. But uh, I mentioned that on the first week, Match Game had the star wheel. She was on the pan. And she looked kind of clueless, with all due respect to her. But yeah, again, a name that we've mentioned uh, actually quite a bit in recent times and uh, did pass away this year. Another quasi-actor, but a big name nonetheless, Jim Brown. We're talking about the Dirty Dozen. We're talking about a number of movies in the 70s, but also he did some acting. He was in I Spy and Chips, but he's probably the single greatest running back in NFL history. Yes, I'll say that Barry Sanders is up there too, but Jim Brown was the original really good running back. May 21st, we lost Ed Ames. He played Mingo and Daniel Boom, but that's not his big role in TV history. You've seen this, and if you haven't seen this, go to YouTube. It's there. It's hilarious. He was a guest on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson back in the, I want to say mid-60s, and they did a hatchet-throwing exhibition. And obviously nowadays, axe-throwing is, like, really big. So Ed Ames was throwing the hatchet, and... He got the the guy, the the, the model uh, that was painted uh, a silhouette on a piece of wood, but the hatchet landed square in the genital area. And supposedly at that time, that was the longest sustained laugh in television history. I mean, you can't make that up. That's something that's just on the fly, just random chance happened and audiences died. Again, if you haven't seen it, go see it. It is epic. May 24th, George Maharis. He was on Route 66. Big name back in the 60s. Uh, another name, maybe more well-known for other endeavors, but June 6th, we lost Pat Cooper. Amazing comedian, hilarious. He did so many things. He was on Seinfeld. June 8th, Again, not a TV personality per se. The less said, the better. We'll keep it really fast. Pat Robertson, 700 Club, CBN. That's all that's going to be said. June 28th. This is a name I think a number of us may have gotten through many long Sunday nights 20 years ago, 25 years ago, by listening to this woman. This will be listening to this woman talk about sex. Sue Johansson. Don't 
lie to me and tell me you never saw Sue Johansson on oxygen late at night on Sundays talking about sex. I didn't because I don't have oxygen. No, I was going to say you're lying because you saw it every Sunday. No, but seriously, on oxygen, this old Canadian lady would come and talk about sex and talk about uh, the different parts of the anatomy and whatnot. It was compelling TV. It really was. June 29th, a day later, Alan Arkin. Oh, obviously Adam Arkin's dad, but also St. Elsewhere, Chicago Hope, a definite known entity. July 6th, Jimmy Weldon. He was a ventriloquist, but also, oh, I love this character. He voiced Yaki Doodle. I can't do Yaki Doodle, but you know who Yaki Doodle is. Yeah, I didn't want I couldn't do. I don't think I could have done Yaki Doodle. I appreciate your effort there. Let me try. Yaki Doodle. No, it's what was bit... that? He had that like was a Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> it was closer to Gilbert Godfrey than, than Yaki Doodle. I mean, Chico had it with that <laughs> sorry, ducky voice. It's like yeah. a baby Donald Duck you gotta do. That's Chico is like I said, he's a lot closer than whatever you're trying to do, Greg, with all due respect. July 23rd, again, not a big name, but I remember this person from the 80s for two shows, actually, one more than the other. Inga Swenson, she played Krauss on Benson, but also she had a recurring role on Soap. I don't think related to the Benson role. So she was in that uh, that family, uh, Soap, Benson, that younger wit uh, family, if you will. Oh, this one hurts. July 30th. This guy was my childhood, specifically from about age 11 to like 14. Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. I don't even know what else we can add. Pee Wee Herman was just absolutely legendary. August 8th, uh, we lost the voice of Dale Gribble on King of the Hill, Johnny Hardwick. We've talked about this woman she passed away on August 18th. Nancy Frangioni. We talked about her on Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. She was also on Another World, but the place that we've sort of mentioned her is who her husband is. And we just talked about him in the last week or so. Christopher Rich. Where we talked about Christopher Rich, we mentioned him on Reba. He was a guest on a couple of shows we've talked about in the past, including Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. But also, and I think this is on the list for next year, he was Prince Charming on The Charmings. August 24th, maybe again, not a big name, but very relevant uh, in certain aspects. Arlene Sorkin. She was on Days of Our Lives. She was a co-host of America's Funniest People for a number of years. But the biggest thing is she was the voice, the original voice, I should add, of Harley Quinn. Yeah, on Batman the Animated Series. August 26th, and I know this hurt a lot of people. Bob Barker. Almost made it to 100. Going to September 27th, we lost Michael Gambon, age 82. 
October 5th, uh, we lost Dick Butkus at age 80. Again, big football player. But I think where us three remember Dick Butkus is he was an occasional character on My Two Dads. Well, also, he did football commentating. But from an acting standpoint, the three of us, I think, really remember him from My Two Dads. September 25th, uh, we lost David McCollum, who was known for being on Man From U.N.C.L.E. and NCIS. October 14th, Piper Laurie, Catherine Martell on Twin Peaks. And you know how much we love our Twin Peaks around here. Yes, and also Carrie's mother and Carrie. And then, oh, this one hurt October 15th. Suzanne Summers. Where did we see her? Obviously, Three's Company, obviously, Step by Step. Just an amazing personality. And let's not forget the Thigh Master. That was her gig in the 90s. So you definitely can't forget that. October 26th. This one got me personally. Richard Maul. Bull. I know he also did uh, Two Face on Batman the Animated Series, but Bull Shannon. He was like my spirit animal growing up. I related to him so much as a kid, just being sort of oddball, being sort of taller, bigger than everybody. Just an amazing, amazing person. Hilarious. Uh, and then two days later, uh, this is just getting from bad to worse. We went from Suzanne Summers to Richard Mall to Matthew Perry at 54. And yes, we make fun of him to a point being on Second Chance, Boys Will Be Boys. But we all obviously know him from Friends. And even the newest version of The Odd Couple. And I gotta say, the newest version of The Odd Couple, that was really good. Him and Tom Lennon were excellent on that. I definitely agree with you on that. Definitely an underrated show that could make a case of still being on the air. November 25th, another innovator, just somebody who created some amazing, albeit trippy TV shows, but you need to give him credit where credit's due. Marty Croft, HR Puff and stuff, previous entry Lidsville. He just did like everything. And actually, recommendation here, go listen to the episode of Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast of Sid and Marty Croft. They just uh, re-released it as like an encore episode right after Marty Croft's passing. It's from like six, seven years ago. Great interview. Absolutely amazing what the two of them did. Uh, Now, uh, December 5th. I think this is inevitable, but even though it was inevitable, it still hurts losing him. Norman Lear. Maybe one of the most important, prolific producers in television history, all in the family, Maud, Sanford and Son, Good Times, The Jeffersons, One Day at a Time. We could go on and on about all the stuff that he did, all the great stuff. I mean, yes, we talked about Hot L Baltimore. We talked about A Year in the Life. He's going to have some bombs, but seriously, all in the family. Sanford and Son, Maud, One Day at a Time. Some of the best television shows in TV history. But 101, Bless His Soul, that is just amazing. 
I hope I can do what he did at 101. I hope I can be alive at 101. But he was still working up until a week before his passing, believe it or not. And what he was working on, he was doing a reboot of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. I don't remember all the details, but supposedly it was something for like, it's supposed to be on TBS, but TBS sort of changed strategies instead of doing all comedy. They're going like in a different direction because you remember they had uh, like the last OG and, uh, and miracle workers and these comedies, they sort of shifted away from the comedy. So it was supposed to be on TBS in that comedy genre, but because TBS sort of crossed paths, went to a different route, it was sort of out there being tossed around to other networks. So it'll be interesting to see if that gets picked up sometime in the next couple of years. A Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman reboot. Something that hasn't been on TV in nearly 50 years. Last but not least, uh, before any obvious editing, if heaven to Betsy, anybody passes in the next couple of days. December 11th, Andre Brower. I know you guys remember him from Homicide Life on the Street. I was never a big Homicide fan. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, though. That's where I remember him from. And he did an amazing job on that. He did. He was legendary in that role. You know what was so great about him on Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Him with Cheddar the Dog. And you know, it's a darn shame that Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I don't think reruns anywhere. I know it used to be on like TBS and True TV, but there were like no ratings for it or the ratings weren't good. So it got buried to like five in the morning or four in the morning. That's a shame. I hope somewhere it reruns. I'm talking about linear TV. I'm sure it's on Peacock or something like that. It, it, it is. But yeah, Andre Brower, that one stinks. And he was just 61. Like I said, just amazing. Two recent additions to our In Memoriam segment. Both deaths happened on December 26th. First, Bobby Rivers. Name rings a bell, especially if you watched VH1 back in the 90s and early 2000s, I believe. He was a VH1 personality. Had a number of shows. Also hosted the top five show on Food Network. But the big one, and this one really hurts, we lost Tom Smothers. Half of the Smothers Brothers, known for his yo-yo tricks. And actually, if you can find it, there was a really good piece about the Smothers Brothers on CBS Sunday morning, I believe, earlier this year. Uh, I want to say it was between spring and summer of uh, 2023. It was great seeing them together, especially given uh, the cancer scare that uh, one of the brothers, I think it was Tom, was going through. That's going to do it for our 2023 year in review. As we always do at the end of the year in review, we're going to give you a little sampling of what's going to come on the podcast in 2024. Sit back and enjoy. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about my new ABC family drama, Don't. 
It's a cautionary tale of one family's journey into darkness and ultimately light. Sorry? Oh, no, I'm being told it's actually a Ryan Reynolds produced family stunt show. That'll work too. Gronkowski kicking for $10 million. His trainer, Adam Vinatieri, with the Gronkowski family looking on. Here we go. The kick is up. It's no good. He missed it. I used to live on this street. Seven years ago, I supported a wife, two kids, and three bookies. Then one day, my luck ran out, and like any right-thinking horse player, I ran with it. Let's go to Ken Jennings. And even 20 grand going into final. Who is Jones? And we will accept that in terms of female athletes. There aren't that many. And you've got $17,801 more for a 37 Hi, I'm Johnny Bench, and this is the Baseball Bunch. Sam, Kate, Harold, Ozzy, Rick, Freddie, Michelle, Louie, with the Dugout Wizard, the Chicken. Look, it's not totally unusual for guys to have a few beers on Saturday night. So what's the problem? But it's not just Saturday nights, is it? I mean, you drink beer more than once a week. Look, I'm sick and tired of getting hassled. Dear Cricket, a wise person once told me that if you've got something important to say, type it up in a letter. To that end, I've dusted off this ancient blue contraption called a typewriter to tell you something very important indeed. The story of how I met your dad. There is a family down the street, the Huddles. The McCoys live right next door. Yes, I know. The girls are all right, Marge and Penny, but the fellas, they play football, you know. Savages, that's what they are. Let me get this straight. You, you can read everybody's mind. Of course not. Oh. Just some people. Well, some people, none of the time. And then some people, some of the time. And a very few people, most of the time. What category do I fall into? The last one. Most of the time. Yeah. My name is Sam Tyler. I was in an accident and I woke up in 1973. I don't know how or why I'm here, but whatever's happened, it's like I've landed on a different planet. Now, maybe if I can work out the reason, I can get home. What is it? I'm a wood sprite. No, there is no such thing as a, uh, 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 a wood sprite. Oh, no? And I suppose there's no such thing as a big bag of air stuck in my tree, but there it is, big as life. Golly, she is a real wood sprite. No bigger than a bird, and very pretty. Well, how about moving this big... Oh, do you really think I'm pretty? Oh, yes, I certainly do. <laughs> Aren't you sweet? And who are you? Well, I'm Teddy Ruxpin. My son's favorite character from my son's favorite show, he plays Shotty LaRue, and Frank's plays Don Yeso. Dad's TV review time. I give this show five stars. That's pretty good. It's out of a hundred. There's your preview for 2024. To start the new year, 
we're going to cover two shows. Really, one of them, I think, debuted about a year and a half too early, if that makes any sense. And the second show actually probably debuted a year and a half too late. The first show, I think it sort of got reconfigured into another show which would have a very long network run. But the second show, again, if this was done uh, about a year and a half earlier, I think it would have had a significantly longer run. I think it would have run for at least three, possibly four seasons. Instead, it ran for two seasons, roughly a year, a little bit more than a year. You'll have to come back to find out what those two shows are right here. It was a thing on TV. Again, please be safe with your New Year's festivities. We want to catch you here on Monday, on New Year's Day, with the first of those two new episodes. Wow! horrible year never end we've never lost a year before and i'll be damned if we're gonna lose one on my shift <laughs>